If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Games with Bill. Uh, It's been a very long time since I've done this. I used to do the show like this all the time, and I just decided today that I wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, I used to do the show live over on my Twitch channel um, for years. I recorded the show live, and that's back when it was called Nintendo Switchcraft. Well, it's now called Games with Bill, and I haven't done a live show in a really, really long time, so I decided to do the live show here today with games with bill if this is something you want to see more often i'm not going to do it every single time but if it if it is something that you want to see more often then you know let me know in the comments down below if you're watching this on youtube or you can at me on twitter i am at run jump stomp all right today on games with bill we're going to talk about the fact that valve is making it easy for you to repair your steam deck Uh, we're going to talk about evil dead the game i also want to talk about roller I always forget the name of this. Roller Champions, uh, which just came out. Uh, I've been looking forward to that one for a really long time. And I want to talk about two more things. Uh, If there's time in the lightning round, I want to talk about Sony and PlayStation and how they are going after money, uh, which is kind of irritating. And then uh, I also want to talk about the Summer of Games and what we're going to see this year from the Summer of Games Keeping in mind the idea that uh, uh, that there is no E3, it's that's something that's very interesting to me. If that sounds good, let's get started. I want to start today with um, fixing your Steam Deck. Um, I have a Nintendo Switch, and if like me, you also have a Nintendo Switch, and you run into the issue where you have experienced drift in your Joy-Con. I I understand how you feel because I ran into drift on one of my Joy-Cons. My son ran into drift on one of his Joy-Cons. His we sent off to get repaired, and we were very unhappy because they shipped back uh, not his Switch. Uh, they ended up, I don't want to get into it, but we didn't get the stu- the same stuff that we sent them, and that meant that the things that he had was not exactly the same. When I had drift on my Joy-Cons, I decided I'm going to try and fix it myself. And so I I went out and did some research and I found out that you had to have special screwdrivers with your Nintendo Switch in order to open them up. Valve didn't make you do that. Uh, I bought the special screwdrivers. The parts came. I opened up my my Joy-Con. I took all the parts out. I figured I would take the the actual thing, the the part that where the, the little contact rub rubbing is where it causes the problems and I would hit it with some some compressed air and uh, I took it apart and I hit it with the compressed air and then I tried putting it back together and I couldn't I couldn't put it back together uh like I tried putting all the parts back where they were but it was just so frustrating eventually I just gave up because it was so small because Nintendo didn't build the Switch Joy-Cons with repairability in mind, while Valve 
absolutely has built the Steam Deck with repairability in mind. They have said so. And they partnered with iFixit. And iFixit, uh, being able to repair your uh, Steam Deck uh, by buying the parts from iFixit is just absolutely fantastic. Because, well, there's a couple of reasons why it's good for me. And there's a couple of reasons why it's good for Valve. So it's good for Valve because that's going to lower the number of service. Um, like they're, they're not going to have to have quite so many calls where they're trying to fix things. They aren't going to have, they, they don't have to do it themselves because they're giving the end user the ability to do it themselves. And that means when inevitably my joystick on my steam deck stops working the way that I was hoping and it's not working, I can call up valve and I can send it in to get it fixed and I don't have to be the one to fix it. And I'm not going to have to wait as long because the people who are a little more technically, uh, what's the word I'm looking technically minded when it comes to repairing electronics, they're going to be able to fix their own. So I don't have to wait in line behind them to get mine fixed. And I think that that's a really, really good thing. So, you know, kudos to valve for, uh, making, uh, you know, for partnering, with iFixit, I cannot see what I was looking for here. Kudos to Valve for partnering with iFixit on this because that means that if you want, you can get the stuff you need. And speaking of kudos, kudos to iFixit because they accidentally launched the website that I'm like showing. If you're listening to the podcast version of it, uh, you know, never mind that. But um, they they accidentally posted this website and had all of the different things available for people to buy. And they didn't mean to. And then they took it back down once they realized their mistake, but not before a bunch of people had found it. And so those people had found it. They bought some stuff, and iFixit said, you know what, we're going to go ahead and honor our commitment to our customers. You know, our customers bought the stuff in good faith, so we're going to make sure that we get it, uh, get it to them. And we, I actually saw some stuff like on the official subreddit, which was saying, you know, thanks to iFixit for – sending me this thing because they could have easily just said, oh, well, we didn't mean to do that. Let me just issue a, a return on your money and you can have your money back. Uh, and they didn't do that. And I think that that's, that's really, really fantastic. So uh, big kudos to them. Um, I also want to say kudos to them for getting a fan that doesn't make all the noise. Now, if you've watched my content for any length of time, then you know that I have hearing issues. I, like, I just can't hear things all that well. And because of those hearing issues, I never really complained all that much about uh, the whine of the fan. But I saw a lot of people complaining about the whining of the fan of the Steam Deck and that they didn't like how, how loud it was or whatever. And because of that, uh, iFixit had said at one point, hey, don't worry, we're, if we can, we're going to make sure that we have a, a quieter fan. And I have seen posts on the subreddit. Uh, somebody had done a video showing what their, uh, you know, so you could hear it, uh, showing what their Steam Deck sounded like before they replaced the fan and then after they replaced the fan. And I could hear the difference. Now, I don't know if on my Steam Deck, I don't know if this Steam Deck that I'm holding in my hand right now I don't know if this is one one with the good fan or with the bad fan because I only ha I don't have one to compare it to. And because I don't have one to compare it to, I can't say, ah, this one is the one with the loud one. 
But if you want to replace the fan, it's like $30, I think, which is it's actually pretty impressive. I thought it would be more expensive than that. And because the Steam Deck is built with repairability in mind, like you only have Phillips head screwdrivers, essentially. And going through and, you know, taking the back off and replacing the fan, I've seen videos of people doing it. And it doesn't seem like a ridiculous ask. Like, it doesn't seem super hard to replace that part. And it doesn't seem super hard, even for somebody like myself, who is pretty risk-averse when it comes to opening up electronics. It doesn't seem super difficult to even replace the joysticks, which is usually the biggest failure point. So, I don't know. Maybe at some point I will have two Steam Decks in hand and I will be able to put one up to my left ear and put the other one up to my right ear and tell the difference between them. And if it, if when that happens, I have it in like, it, it becomes obvious to me that I got the one with the bad fan, then maybe I'll replace the fan. But I love that. I fix it went out of their way to make sure that they had a quieter fan instead of the one that a lot of people were complaining about. Of course you could throw, you, you could also sh- throw shade at Valve for shipping a Steam Deck that had a whiny, loud fan. Uh, that's definitely something that you could do. But I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know that it's as big a deal as people were making it out to be. But then again, I don't know which one I have. Let me know in the comments section down below or at me on Twitter, are you going to be somebody who repairs your own Steam Deck when there's issues? Or are you going to be somebody who sends it off? Are you somebody who's going to order a fan, uh, whether that fan is, um, what's the word that I'm looking for, whether that's the loud fan or not, are you going to be somebody who opens up your Steam Deck, sees if you got the loud fan or not, and then orders a replacement part? Let me know. I'm very curious what you all think about that. All right. Let's move on. I want to talk about uh, Evil Dead the Game. I did mention that I had received a review copy of Evil Dead the Game. I got it on PC. I I had my fingers crossed that it was a Steam copy, but it was actually an Epic Games Store copy. Uh, Apparently, that is an an Epic Games exclusive on, on PC, which is, you know, boo to exclusives. And I played... Uh, a little bit of it before the last time that I talked about it. And overall, I think that it's a it's a decent game. I like these asynchronous... Uh, and, and for the people who are here in live chat, I'll get to your questions and stuff uh, at the end of the show. So keep them coming. Thank you so much for, for hanging out with me. Uh, e- Evil Dead is a uh, PC exclusive on the Epic Games Store. I ended up getting that version. I tried getting it to run on the Steam Deck did not work. Uh, I have seen that other people have like gone through, jumped through some hoops in order to get that game running on the Steam Deck. And I was, I'm just not willing to jump through all of those hoops that you need to jump through in order to get it working, especially because I think the game is just okay. It's kind of fun. Like there are some fun moments in it, but it's not a game that I feel like I'm going to be playing all the time. So it's fine if it just lives on my PC, and if I loved the game, then I would go through the work to get it to work on the Steam Deck, but I don't love the game, if that makes sense. So let's really quick talk about the things that separate um, Evil Dead the game from other games in its genre. So it's the asynchronous horror game genre where you play as either a team of survivors 
or you play as the the bad guy, essentially, trying to kill all of the survivors. And with Evil Dead, the the thing about the, the when you're playing as the bad guy, in most of the other games, well, in, in any of the other games, when you play as the bad guy, you play as like an actual monster who is like a physical being that walks around and is trying to kill the players. In Evil Dead the game, you play as like a non-corporeal demon that like just floats around and you don't have a body re- really. And what you need to do is set traps for the players. And as you set traps for the players, you scare them. You increase their level of fear. It's a mecha- it's a a resource that you have to try and manage. And as players increase their fear levels, what what happens is if their fear levels get high enough, then you can possess them and use them to attack the other players, which is really cool. Um, then at the same time, the players have to manage their own fear levels by uh, you know, staying in the light, staying near other players, uh, doing whatever, uh, using some of their abilities in order to lower their fear levels. And I think that that's a really cool mechanic. Adding in that managing your fear or managing the player's fear, I think that that's really cool. It's also really cool when you can uh, possess like a tree or a car and then try and like attack the players through that. Uh, So that makes the 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 monster side of Evil Dead the game very unique. I think. Well, I guess you can't say very unique. It makes it unique, uh, and I think that that's really cool. Now, on the player side, I think that um, the game has some unique things about it, but there's very it's super super repetitive. Which I've said before, I don't mind these games that are. Um, highly repetitive, uh, quick gameplay loops that you do over and over if they're fun. And I do think that it's fun, but it doesn't really grab me the way that it could. So when we're talking about from the player's perspective, you are basically looking for items. You go around and and they'll have a quest that says, hey, go to this tower or something and find uh, a map uh, or a piece of a map. You have to find three pieces of a map and the Kendarian dagger. Once you find each one of those things, you put them all together, and then you can summon these uh, demons that you then have to kill with the dagger by shooting like lightning out of it or something, uh, which is cool. Um, as you find each one of those pieces, though, there's like a short horde mode where the person who is the playing the demon can attack the player's uh, by setting traps near them. So basically what you want to do is the demon is you go and you find where the map is and you set a bunch of traps there. And you go to the next piece of the map and you set a bunch of traps there. Um, I do find, for me, that I have trouble finding the enemies when I'm playing as the bad guy. And playing as the good guy seems a little too easy to me. But overall, I think that the game is really enjoyable it's just not something that I think about all the time. Like it's it's not one of those multiplayer experiences that I'm like, oh man, I got to get home and play Evil Dead the game. Uh, I'm curious uh, how you all feel about it. Have you been playing Evil Dead the game? What have you been playing it on? Have you been playing it on console or on PC? And what do you think of it? And do you prefer 
playing as the survivors or the demon. For me, I think I prefer playing as the demon in this one, which is the opposite of what I usually like. The last thing I'll say about this genre is the one that I'm looking forward to most is the new Ghostbusters one. I think that one looks really, really cool. All right. Let's move on and talk about Roller Champions. Roller Champions is a game that was announced a few E3s ago, and I thought it looked really cool. I was really excited for it. And then the next year after it was announced, they had like a playable demo, and I downloaded the demo, and I never got around to playing it because I was busy at that point. And so I missed out on playing it. Well, it just came out after... God, I think Ubisoft didn't say anything about it for a really long time, but it's essentially a roller derby game. And it's a free-to-play game, so anybody can play it. It's available on consoles and PC. I've played it on my Xbox. I haven't played it on uh, PC because I think it requires the Ubisoft Connect, and I I don't know if that works on Steam Deck yet, so I haven't tried that. But I've been playing it on my Xbox and boy, I think it's really cool. Um, there's some weirdness to it that I don't like, but my my initial impression is that this is a really fun game with a quick, repetitive gameplay loop, which is that thing that I was just talking about that I love so much. Quick, repetitive gameplay loops I like a lot. So how's the game work? Well, you get the ball. The ball falls down from the ceiling at a random point. You go and grab the ball. And then you have to uh, skate through gates. Um, As you're skating through gates, you have to skate through a certain number of gates in the right order. Once you do that, it unlocks the scoring circle, which then you have to throw the ball through. If um, you go through gates once, and then you decide, well, rather than trying to score right now, I'm going to try and go through gates again, you get like a score multiplier. So the first, if you go through one, one set of gates and then you throw the ball through the hoop, you get one point. You go through two, I think you get three points. You go through three, you get five points. So the more times that you go around, the bigger your score is going to be. And I really like this because it introduces this risk-reward system to where, okay, I could score right now, but if I risk it, if I risk that point that I could earn right now, I could get a lot more points instead. And that risk-reward system adds a lot of excitement to the game. And I feel like there's an ebb and a flow to the way that this game plays where you have these moments of where the excitement or the intensity of the gameplay is slowly creeping up as you keep getting more gates. And then it comes crashing down as somebody tackles somebody else and stops you from making a score. Or when you go to throw the ball and you miss that gate that you're trying to aim for and you don't get the points because of that, that is incredibly frustrating. But it's also really exciting uh, because then you everybody's scrambling to get to the ball. Because if I'm on the blue team and somebody on my team tries to score and they miss, I can then pick up that ball and we don't lose our our loops at least i don't think we do Uh, but if somebody on the opposite team picks it up we lose our loops if somebody tackles you and you lose the ball and they pick it up you lose all of those points that you could have been building up by not banking it and so i think that the actual gameplay loop is really really good the the skating itself feels good But my biggest problem has to do with the scoring mechanic uh, when you are throwing. So I don't know about you, but my brain 
says th- to throw something or to shoot something, I use the right trigger on my controller. And in this game, the right trigger does not do that. The right trigger makes you go faster as you go down a hill. Uh, you want to shoot with the left trigger. So already that feels really weird to me. But then secondly, it's not a pull the trigger to throw. It's pull the trigger to build up power and then let go in order to throw. And that is really frustrating because it feels like I have not once thrown the ball through the hoop. I've only played three games, but I've never thrown the ball through the hoop. I've bounced it off every single time because when you are shooting, you are going pretty fast. And you also have people chasing after you. So uh, the game is frustrating in that way. But overall, I think it's cool. And, you know, it's got a it's got loot boxes and, you know, the the common monetization model that you see in all these free to play uh, cosmetic stuff games. Uh, And that doesn't bother me because I don't mind as long as it doesn't affect gameplay. I don't I don't care. I think that this is a good business model and the game is really fun and exciting. At least I think so. Have you guys played Roller Champions? What do you think of it? And what platform have you been playing on? Uh, real quick, I want to say thank you to Ubisoft for making it cross-play because I was playing with people on Xbox and PlayStation together, which is really cool. All right, let's talk about uh, Sony really quickly. Uh, Sony says that they expect to make $300 million, $300 million off PC games this year. Uh, this is a huge increase because God of War brought $80 million in the last fiscal year, and they're expecting $300 million in net sales on PC. This is from Sony, you know, PlayStation, and they're making a lot of money on the PC, which I'm excited about. As somebody who's been playing my Steam Deck, like, nonstop, this thing right here is going to be awesome for playing Sony's games. Even though I have a PlayStation, I can play Sony's games on my Steam Deck, which means I can then take them with me. And I think that's fantastic. And I've seen people saying, oh, look, the you know the Steam Deck is competing with Nintendo Switch. Nintendo, uh, nin- or not Nintendo, Sony should be uh, putting together uh, a PSP sequel or what was it a vita sequel or something uh i don't think that they need to they need to just focus on selling games instead of instead of fracturing the market by adding yet another what's the word i'm looking for another competitor i i like more competition i really do uh but when this is already really really fantastic and sony can put their games on this I don't know that we need more competition when it comes to handhelds. There's a lot of different handhelds out there. And I think that people ignore most of the other ones that are not the Steam Deck or the Nintendo Switch. And I don't know if Sony jumping in there is going to do anything. So I think it's good that they are focusing on on, on supporting PC and saying that, hey... 300 million is what they are focusing on, or at least um, not focusing on, expecting which I think is good. Uh, Now, speaking of Sony and money, uh, this is actually kind of weird. The way, boy, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, how Sony is up to shenanigans. They're up to no good when it comes to PS Plus. And uh, basically, people who had, you know, Sony announced PS Plus. uh, People went out 
and they bought a bunch of uh, like PS Plus cards in order to stack their subscription before it got more expensive. Sony said you can't claim those uh, until after the new thing comes out, and when you do, they're not going to count for as much as you paid for. Uh, they're going to count for less. They're going to count for what you would have costed if you bought them after it launched. A, that's a scummy move, Sony. I don't like it. Well, we just got this support email, which confirms that players will have to pay back PS Plus discounts in order to upgrade. So let's say that you did manage to... Because Sony didn't do this ahead of time. They didn't say, oh, by the way, if you buy stuff, you're not going to be able to. They changed their mind, or they didn't change their mind. They reacted to people already doing this. So people had already bought cards and started stacking them, right? And then Sony said, ah, you can't do that. And then they stopped people from doing it. But they did not announce that ahead of time. If they announced it ahead of time, I think that they would have more leg to stand on. Well, this is very interesting. The new service launched in Asia, in some Asian territories, and it's going to come to the West later on. But apparently, if you did do that, that stacking, if you were successful in stacking your, um, your subscription, then you're going to have to pay back the difference before you can upgrade to the new PS Plus. Uh, which is just crazy. Here's what it says. Thank you for contacting PlayStation Support and checking the price of your PlayStation Plus membership and subscription. Since you purchased PlayStation Plus at a discounted price at the time of membership, there are two PS Plus memberships that cannot enjoy other discounts. PS Plus memberships bought with a discount, PS Plus memberships redeemed with a redemption code. Therefore, you need to upgrade to level 2 or 3 premium membership. You will need to make up the difference between the previous discounted price and the normal price. For example, a PS Plus membership in Hong Kong is uh, 308 Hong Kong dollars. I don't, I don't know if that's the right number, but whatever. Uh, for one year, uh, and the discounted price is 187.6. The difference is 120.4 divided by the number of months remaining. Please rest assured that the system will automatically calculate the difference that needs to be repaid if you need to upgrade. Of course, you can also upgrade or downgrade your membership according to your preference. If you do not upgrade, your current uh, PlayStation Plus membership will not be affected. Please be assured that game offers free monthly subscriptions and access to a 100 G of online storage will oh gigabytes of online storage will remain unchanged. This is coming to us from Video Games Chronicles uh, or VideoGamesChronicle.com. Sony, you're acting scummy. You're acting super scummy. You're expecting to earn 300 million on PC sales this year. And that's not nearly as much as you're earning everywhere else. You know what I mean? You're earning a lot of money. And you didn't you didn't close the loophole until after people bought this stuff. And now you're trying to get these people afterwards like it's their fault that you didn't pay attention to how things worked. That's like <laughs> I don't even know what that's like. It's it's a, it's a jerk move. That's what it is. It's a jerk move. You're a jerk, Sony. Don't do this. It's so bad. Uh, anyway, what do you guys think about this? Uh, are you surprised that this is the kind of thing that Sony's doing? I'm not terribly surprised. I don't know if you should be. Uh, <laughs> Sony, 
What are you doing? All right. Let's move on and talk about games with or not games with Bill. Um, summer of games, real quick. We know that E three has been canceled. We know that we have the PC gaming show airing on uh, June twelfth at twelve thirty uh, Pacific time. I'm very excited for this. In past years, I have not cared nearly as much about the PC gaming show as other stuff. But as most of my gaming has been on a PC lately, holding up my Steam Deck, for those of you that can't see it, as most of my gaming has been done on the Steam Deck lately, I'm very excited to find out what games they're going to be showing off at the PC gaming show. Uh, I think that that's exciting. So I am looking forward to that. I will watch that with anticipation. Let's see, June 12th. What day is that? I'm I'm just curious what day that is um, of the of the week. I'm hoping it's like on a Saturday or something. Uh, let me bring up a calendar real quick. Let me close that. I want to just bring up a calendar real quick. So June 12th would be on a Sunday. Is it really on a Sunday? If it's on a Sunday, I might be able to do a live show. Yes, it's on a Sunday. So I might be doing like a live stream of the PC gaming show this year. So make sure that you subscribe and turn on the bell notification so that you find out all about that stuff. And if you're listening to the show and you want to check it out, head on over to uh, youtube.com slash nerd nest. All right. In addition to that, we also have the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. That's on June 12th, same day at 10 a.m. Boy, I might spend all day in this chair. Um, Pacific time. Also very much looking forward to this. I'm a little disappointed that Starlink, Starlink, Starfield, Star something. I can't remember what the hell it was called. Star something got got delayed. I know I was looking forward to that game. And I was kind of keeping it out of my mind, knowing that I was something that I was interested in and I would worry about it later. Um, But that game got delayed until next year, so I don't think we're going to see that. I'm very curious what Microsoft is going to add in to their showcase uh, on June 12th. But that's another one that I'm looking for. But here's the thing that we don't know. And I think that this is an important question. Will we be hearing from Nintendo? Usually Nintendo does a Nintendo Direct at E3. Will we be seeing a, 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 a an E3-style Nintendo Direct this year, especially since they delayed Breath of the Wild to next year? And Sony kind of waved goodbye to E3 a while ago. Will we be seeing a Sony state of play around this same time? Or are Nintendo and Sony going to take advantage of the fact that not everybody's looking at the same place in the same time and they're not competing for eyeballs with the other, um, with, you know, with the other, with the press in order to get coverage when people are talking about Game Pass or Steam Deck or whatever? Will they be able to just say, well, you know what, we'll go later on in the summer? I'm curious, would you prefer that everybody does everything all at the same time, or would you prefer it be spread out over summer? I honestly don't know how I feel about it. All right, well, let's jump into chat and see what people were saying throughout the show. Um all right, uh, so let's see. Uh, Newbie Gaines said, Bill, love the content starting from the beginning. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Newbie. I do appreciate that uh, very much. Uh, people are saying Game Pass is just so far superior. I'm assuming that Tendies is saying it's superior to PS Plus. I do tend to agree with that. I think that it's it's perfectly valid for Sony to try and do things a little bit differently. 
not everybody has to do everything exactly the same. So it, that doesn't bother me that, that Sony is doing it different. But I do prefer the way that Microsoft is handling the subscription model over the way that Sony is doing it, mostly because all of Microsoft's first-party stuff comes with your Game Pass subscription. And Sony said, we're not doing that. Not right away, anyway. So I do think that that is uh, better. Uh, Chris Karp says, I don't like how everything is moving to subscriptions. I understand exactly how you feel, Chris, but in my opinion, not in my opinion, in my experience... I play way more games now that I'm subscribed to Game Pass than I otherwise would have. There's a lot of games that I would have missed out on that I would never have played if they did not come with my Game Pass subscription at some point. So I, I while I understand what you're saying, I also think that there is a, there, there's a modicum of goodness there as well. Uh, let's see what other, what else do we have here? Um, uh, SWAT says, "Hey Bill, FPS limits inside emulators cause problems for me on PC, but the screen refresh rate shouldn't affect the emulation, right? Main reason is to get more out of the battery." Um, okay, so basically he's saying, if you're playing on your Steam Deck and you're using an emulator, could you lower the refresh rate of the screen down to a lower number instead of sixty? in order to have a better experience uh, or a, a longer battery life when it comes to playing emulated games. And I did run into the, that issue where when before we had the, the refresh rate limiter, I was just using the frame rate limiter, and I didn't realize that I had it turned on. And all of my emulation games, like even like on Super Nintendo and stuff, they were running terrible. I couldn't figure it out. And I turned off the... I, I set it back to 60 frames per second and it worked like butter. So I have no idea if that would affect it. But what I would say is that the games that I tend to emulate are the older 8-bit, 16-bit stuff. And I can play that stuff for like five hours, six hours, seven hours on the deck without worrying about battery. So I don't know if it's really all that important. But if you're playing some like PS2, PS3 or higher stuff, then maybe... But at that at that point, you probably want to have higher uh, refresh rates anyway. Um, last comment that I'll say is Benjamin Patino says subscriptions are okay, but you have to know if it's worth it for you or not, depending on your monthly game completion. And that's a really, really good point. I don't think that they're good or they're bad. They're just right for some people and they're not right for other people. Anyway, thank you guys for hanging out with me. Thanks for being here for a live episode of Games with Bill. Hopefully, it turned out okay. Uh, you are all awesome. I hope you have an awesome day. Stay rad, everybody. Bye-bye.